0: Let's uh, let's welcome in the listeners for KoiTalk Podcast Episode 9. On today's show we've got um, Ben Ash, CEO of MDN, Manufacturer of Sequence Pumps, and we've got Darren Gray from Absolute Koi in the UK. So it's great to have these two guys on the show. Before we start, I'll just introduce myself for viewers that may not have seen me before. I'm Steve, I'm uh, part of the KoiTalk team and you'll have seen me in some of the magazines that we publish. So if you've not seen Koi Talk magazine, check it out. It's $3.95 a month subscription, and that includes delivery direct to your door. So let's uh, let's make a start with episode nine and pass over
1: to, to Ben and Darren. So awesome. welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you in the, in the studio here. So uh, you've made a, a quick trip across to the UK, I see.
1: Indeed. Yeah, still uh, getting through some jet lag, but uh, we're good. Yes.
0: Yeah, so how long have you been across?
1: Uh, when did I get here? roughly early, early uh, yesterday morning. And yeah, I was uh, fighting no sleep on the airplane and fighting to stay awake at dinner last night. So I got some good sleep and now off to the races today.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, hopefully you won't uh, doze off in the studio here. We'll, we'll give you a nudge if you do.
1: All right, yeah, good. So,
0: In terms of um, starting off then, let's let's take a look at the history of um, sequence pumps. Uh, yeah. If you want to sort of tell us the background to, to the sequence. So I know they've been historically known in the UK, um, there's been a short, short period, and now you're back again. Yes, yeah. tell us more about that. Uh,
1: indeed. So, I guess uh, the place to start is how we even got into uh, being a supplier of pumps to the koi carp hobby, um, and that goes all the way back to the early '80s. Um, I want to say 1985 in Southern California when um, we were manufacturing. Our pumps, and specifically for industry, um, I, I think the uh, the biggest market at the time was anodizing and metal finishing, so pumping chemicals actually. Um, mm. And we had a gentleman named Frank Caswell, who was a Japanese koi enthusiast. He was. Importing koi into the Los Angeles area and breeding them there. Uh, The name of that company was called koi co-op and They were really tired of uh, the submersible pumps that they were using at the time um, Failing yeah Mm. when they would fail they were oil-filled bearings So they would put oil into the into the pond and it would like kill the koi. Yeah, they're really expensive prize Japanese koi Um, And then also, you know, back then they were just, they weren't like a really um, specialized submersible pump at the time Mm. where, you know, it was built for continuous duty. They were using big pumps that were, um, you know, sump pumps when a basement would flood, you would put the pump into the basement and pump it out. And it was like an intermittent duty type of deal. Right. So that's where it all began for you then. That's where it started. Wow. And so, um, you know, they were tired of using those, those pumps, not really specialized for, kois and, uh, or for koi ponds, and they said, hey, get us a pump that we can use outside of the pond and that is not noisy and it's quiet and it doesn't take a whole lot of electricity, right? And I think at that time, this, my father was running the business and he told the guy to get lost. He told Frank to get <laughs> lost a couple of times, but he was very persistent, and thankfully he was, because then finally, once we crafted a pump for the application, low, low head pressure, right, high flow, mm. it was a really easy um, transition from the current configurations of pumps we were making um, to, to cater to this application where we, we uh, I guess the biggest thing would be low RPMs. We applied a low RPM motor to the pump. It, it did a ton of flow uh, low electricity, and all of a sudden, the koi keeping community in Southern California just latched onto the name, and that's where Sequence really got its legs. Right, I'm So, <clears throat> pardon me. And the, so, from that point on, like it, it went out from Southern California and all up the West Coast across the U.S., and shortly, I would say, into the 90s is when um, we had some relationships form with some of our partners over here in the U.K., uh, Company called Furs um, out of Nottingham. They did is of all things lightning protection, but they had a little garden and pond type of application. And that company was bought and sold and evolved into more pump processing, um, and it changed hands a number of times. But you know, through that development, um, you know, the same type of application of the sequence product was done over here, and I think we we developed a pretty good following and. Um, it came from just you know applying a product that would hold up into the field and last a long time. Oh, fantastic.
0: Think. So that's that's where the history of the business is around products that have been reliable and, and efficient at the same time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So where does that bring you to in the current UK market? How do you see the market now?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we are going to rely heavily on uh, Darren to guide us on where it's at. <laughs> Obviously, things have changed quite a bit. Um, the, the standard sequence line is, you know, tried and true. We still yeah. have the same type of product we did back in the 90s as we, when we entered the market um, with a few tweaks. Um, we've developed some new impeller technology where um, we have the same pump bodies, right? We have a, a sequence 4000, 1750 series, um, but applied different technology to impellers, which... We, we applied a thing called a French curve to some of our impeller veins, which we could increase flow by 20% and not changing anything else, horsepower, right. speed, any of that. So that's a pretty big boost in performance when you can still keep it to the legacy product. Um, so that's new, and I think that that's helpful. But since then, a lot of um, new products have hit the market, right? And they're coming out of everywhere. So it's a different competitive landscape today.
0: And in terms of your, your situation in the UK now, what's what's your setup? How do you work?
1: So it's exclusively through Absolute Koi mm. and um, you know through a, a two step distribution model.
0: Right. Okay. I yeah. suppose that that's why we bring you onto the onto the scene, Darren. Out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're delighted to be involved with um, such a strong brand. That's um, you know even today uh, uh, got a, a reputation for being a very extremely reliable. We've got customers, you know calling uh going back 15 years you know that sequence is you know getting a little bit tired and can they want to swap it out for a new one to to uh you know stop them changing pipe work and they're so so pleased with the longevity of the pump they want to just replace it like for like Um, so yeah we're we're going to be reaching out to a selected few uh, in the UK over the next uh, weeks um uh, and you know get behind some strong dealers uh geographically throughout the uk that um can uh, distribute these pumps uh, in the future right okay so oh, well,
0: we'll, we'll look forward to hearing more yeah. about that as it happens mm-hmm. as yeah. it progresses i suppose one of the things that um that hobbyists in the uk are, are currently really aware of are the rising energy prices that we've got at the moment mm. across the uk all across the board the prices have jumped up for, for customers with electric and yeah. there's obviously lots of other other ways of, uh, of heating a pond and looking at um, filters and pumps and so on right. that, uh, that is coming into consideration. Right. Um, what, what do you think to the current situation with the market? Do you think um, people that are running pumps with multiple systems are, are looking at it in the right way? Do you think there's more economical ways they could, they could be filtering or pumping their pond?
1: Uh, certainly. I think there's always room for improvement, and that doesn't just apply to koi keepers. That's in industrial process. I mean, we, as we were talking before, you know, we have a lot of other markets we serve. Mm. Aquaculture is one of them, where they're very sensitive to to operational cost, industrial costs. It's across the board. Energy cri- uh, Energy prices are rising everywhere. That's it. And it's uh, it's a key thing to pay attention to, right? Um, mm. Just as a reference in aquaculture, right? It's every everything about you know producing fish and, and the amount of fish you produce for for food and the number one cost is food to feed them the the, the second cost is energy to operate your pumps so land-based aquaculture is highly dependent on that right mm-hmm. so uh, you better believe people are are paying attention to to that and the biggest thing that they can do is optimize their system hydraulics and um, if you can optimize your hydraulics um, you can lower power consumption and so you know getting that message across though is sometimes tough because there's a lot of engineering involved and you, you know you have to there's invest some pokes, yeah. time and knowledge into trying to figure that out so we're still trying to figure out you know how do we best educate you know on how to optimize just sequence pumps not all of them right of but course, just yeah yeah but there's you know and i think in general the koi hobby really they understand that right like um, just look at oversizing pipes, so you reduce friction, yeah, in a system. When you reduce friction in a system, you lower pressure. Pressure is cost cost money because it's energy. right? Yeah. So you get rid of the pressure component, you get rid of some of the energy. However, you could get rid of too much pressure. yeah, And getting rid of too much pressure in a pump system um, can take you away from an optimal operating point. And when you do that, you can actually increase, the, the kilowatts you consume in a pump, which is kind of crazy to think, but it's like you have to really dig into roto di- dynamic devices and um, no hydraulics to, to, to figure that out. So, um, we're, like I said, we're still trying to figure out how to communicate that message of how to optimize an operating point on a pump. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a, certainly one that I think a lot of hobbyists have got at the top of their mind as well, as you say, for yeah. their own pond. Um, in terms of looking at sequence and, and the, the products that you have, the range, the the, um, the range is known for its quality economy and build quality. Sure. Is that something that you, you think you've built on over time or how, how has that progressed?
1: For yeah, them? indeed. I mean, quality's always been one of our key selling features, right? We've, we don't offshore any of our production of our motors, which, I mean, that just speaks to buying a quality product, right? You've got to mm. sacrifice something if you're going to, lower cost in some ways, um, but also um, building in you know, things like low RPM motors, yeah, um, quality bearings in a motor, um, having a good QC process just in your production, yeah, enclosed impellers. These are all things that mm. build into the quality, to the efficiency, and to the longevity of a pump. Absolutely. Yeah, indeed.
0: So in terms of um, the, the market now that you've, you've got in the UK, you've, you've mentioned that you're looking at a, a distribution, what sort of timescales are you looking at for that?
2: Um, well, we've got stock of the pumps now, we've taken the first delivery, we've got some marketing to do through social media, but it's also about picking the right uh, distribution channels as well. You know, mm. we, we don't want to offer it out to every Koi dealer um, throughout the UK. Um, We all know it's very fragmented. So we're looking for uh, partners that are prepared to have some stock and really get behind the product. Um, um, uh, and, And that's going to take a little bit of time. But geographically, you know, we'd be kind of looking for dealers in the south. Um, as well as the north and kind of, you know, five or six really strong, reputable dealers that uh, can get around the product. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we're ready to go. Yeah. You know?
0: So have you got uh, got dealers lined up for that? Or you yeah, really we've
2: could... reached out to a few dealers yeah. that have shown a lot of interest. Um, you know, the, the, we've had snow the last uh, few days. So, you know, the, the season's about to, to start and everybody's, you know, positioning themselves into a busy 2022. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll be uh, looking to uh, quantify those dealers in the next few weeks and really get some um, firm arrangements set, set out uh, in in the near future.
0: Great. In terms of looking at the range of products, what kind of uh, product scale have you got? What, uh, what size is the range for, for hobbyists? Is there a good choice?
1: Yeah, uh, right now, gosh, Darren, you're going to have to jump in and help me here, but I think we get up to 12,000 litres. Well, we've we've actually
2: got the yeah we've got the eight thousand sequence eight thousand all the way up now to the sequence twenty five thousand. That's right, yeah. right. Yeah, and um, we've uh, introduced a, a couple of new series where they're two inch uh, inlet and outlet as well, uh, where they come with the couplings as well, uh, super uh, low wattage, and also there's uh, a variable speed. Um, a sequence pump that's um, in the pipeline uh, that's going to be um, available certainly in the next um, a few few weeks we'll be beta testing that's already gone out to 20 beta testers um, Absolute Core are one of them and we'd like to have that pump on show, some of the shows that's coming up in the UK yeah. um, uh, in the near future we'll have wet demos there and Ben's going to join us at the show as well where we can answer any questions Yeah, and um, you know Um, there's a there's a lot of um, emphasis on price of pumps you know so like Ben says you know it's about educating um, quick keepers not only to how much these pumps cost at the point of sale but you know their running costs the 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 cost of purchase the true cost of purchase you know how long is it gonna last Mm. you know it's no good uh, it being um, cheap to buy and uh, you know it's going to let go well, that's it you don't deliver. want to
0: yeah you don't want to uh, pay cheap pay twice do you necessarily you want no to, you want to get quality for the, the price that you're
2: paying yeah that's that's a difficult thing to communicate you know um people you know uh, uh, i'm challenges with uh, you know lots of different hobbies they've got so mm. you've got to try and build that in and try and explain that you know we've, we've got a, there's a three-year warranty out on the pump as well which is more than most pumps well, like I say, we've got customers that have gone past ten years with Sequence that are still enjoying Sequence pumps, and to the fact that they get really annoyed if they can't have another one like the like, you know. So it's a real brand, strong brand name. Mm. And that's very rare, you know. Sometimes you see a lot of products and brands come into the marketplace and they kind of like flash in the pan and then they're gone, you know. Whereas Sequence is is just been around. It's almost like a, a household name, you know. So mm. particularly in in the koi world and the aquaculture world, or you know, fish keeping in general, they've enjoyed mm. that brand, and yeah,
0: it's back. Yeah, you know? that's it. It's good to good to see you uh, see you back in the UK.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're happy to be back. Happy to be here. It's it's awesome. Um, I wanted to just bolt on to what Darren was talking about from a performance standpoint, and I think your question related like where is the range at now? If mm. there's more, um, and yeah, part of my recall on on knowing the exact um performance ranges because i have to convert you know the imperial gallons to liters which you know you guys use gallons and miles here too so there's all those similarities but when you start talking about going metric and all that stuff i my brain fries but um yeah so um right now it's it's twenty five thousand. that's the the 4000 series with the number eight impeller i believe Mm -hmm. um We have, within the past 10 years, we released a new pump that we call our Sequence Titan, which is a very interesting pump. It's not like threaded ports. We actually have flanged, ANSI flanges on this pump. Um, Three inch in, two inch out, big, almost a seven inch impeller. Um, And I'm going to just take a stab at converting gallons to liters here, but I would say it probably maxes out about 60,000 liters a minute um it's it's a pretty big pump and we do that at low rpms Mm. that has been adopted by the koi keeping market in the u.s pretty well Um, in addition to that you know a big trend happening over in the states is these natural swim ponds um where you know they they like the fish element and the water feature element but they want to make them swimmable and you know, traditionally, those those folks that are building those systems over there, they like to use submersible pumps right. for that. But, you know, there's that risk of electric shock of having the pump inside the pond. So they have to use... Um, the pumps out of the pond and that's what's, you know, given that Titan series mm-hmm. a good name over there. But I believe it has applications over here. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see how it could be applied. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps we have more work to do on, on, you know, how we're gonna apply new motor technology. Um, but like Darren said, we have a, a variable speed unit in our smallest um, pump called the sequence 750. Um, where we've applied that new um, impeller technology. We call it the Colossus impeller technology, um, but it's where we applied that French curve to those impeller vanes and got 20% more flow. That with a DC motor um, has enabled us to kind of deploy a product for, I call it single phase applications, but residential power um, where you can apply this, this variable frequency technology. <laughs> Um, that in itself um, enables a user to efficiently um, utilize higher performance for lower energy, right? Mm-hmm. Bringing it back to um, energy costs.
0: That's it. I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what we want, isn't it? You want the reliability mm-hmm. along with that, so that lower cost. That's, mm-hmm. that's key to hobbyists. That's at the top of the list at the yeah. moment.
1: It is, yeah. And, and Europe in general has been really good about utilizing that technology. That's been here for a while it's been in the uk for a while um there's a number of different um pump manufacturers who are putting you know they're bolting on a drive so to speak or a gas pedal so to speak on the motor um and what's unique about that is the uk europe in general the residential power is high voltage for us like in in 60 hertz U.S. markets, we call that high voltage, 240 volt, mm-hmm. right? We use 110 volts at 60 hertz. You Your uh, uh, residential mm-hmm. voltage is 240 single phase. And what happens is you have two hot legs coming in at that voltage, which enables you to utilize what we call variable frequency technology, which is traditionally an industrial type of technology. Mm-hmm. You um, You're applying... Um, you're taking a sine wave of electricity coming in, and you have uh, a little encoder that digitizes it and tricks the motor into uh, responding to the, in- the voltage frequency it sees, right? So if you have 30 hertz of electricity coming into the motor, it's going to synchronize to that and lower the speed. Mm-hmm. But you can also ramp it up and give it 50, 60 hertz and have a respective increase in RPMs. <clears throat> The UK and and Europe have been able to deploy that because you guys already have that high voltage in residential applications. Mm -hmm. Where we're at in 60 Hertz, you know, 110 is our most common power in there and you Mm -hmm. only have one hot leg. You cannot utilize that VFD technology over there. So it's been slower to be adopted. It makes us wish we're all Europeans in the UK, right? You could move the business across. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. So we've... In, in one sense, it's being that we didn't deploy a technology like that, maybe we kind of fell behind a mm. little bit, but also we're not just going to jump on the bandwagon because, okay, that's a great trend and it's a great feature, but we want to deploy something that's going to still carry um, the same features of our values, right? which is something that's going to be um, have good longevity, efficiency, performance, all that mm. kind of stuff. So we've taken a long time at just researching where to go with that, so instead... Um, instead of utilizing the variable frequency drive or VSD is also what they Mm -hmm. reference over here variable speed drive Um, we've taken the approach of of using DC motors instead of AC motors okay Mm -hmm. so using a direct current type of motor you can get the same result of an RPM increase or decrease variable speed uh, by just changing voltage right dc motors respond to a voltage change without having that little encoder or needing two hot legs coming in the same that it would be with it with an ac motor and vfd technology right and it's less expensive in some cases um so we've researched that and tried to find partners with that and um and then uh, you know the newest thing is making your products iot Capable right the, making it integrate to the internet of things. Oh, of course. IOT. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was about right.
0: to ask what the IOT was. Yeah, sure You beat me to it.
1: Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Just cut me off if I that's keep it. getting long-winded um, but That's taken a while to develop and mm. make sure it's good and you know when you DC motors tend to operate um, a lot hotter they, they carry more heat and, you know, in some of our testing and destruction testing, we saw that and we said, okay, we got to change our winding array. We got to put more heat sinks onto the motor shell and all these iterations that just take time, right? Yeah, and meanwhile, gosh. I'm hammering on engineering, get this finished. We got to deploy a product hey, in due time, right? That, so it's, those, are, those are things that slow it down. But we have um, this new product out with the DC motor that we believe has plenty of legs that will scale up, you know, from our 750 series to the 1,000, 4,000 series, higher flow rates, and possibly even into this Titan line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, I think that that could be a a, a pretty significant thing, because we can achieve high flow rates, high turnovers um, at very, very low RPMs, which low RPMs equate to low energy, low kilowatts. Mm -hmm. And that's where we plan to address the market with all of this. That's
0: it, so so looking to the future, sort of the next 10 years and beyond, is looking at um, reducing the energy use that's right and increasing performance too that's it so do you think the internet of things is going to impact on that um, performance
1: side of things how is that how is that going to work i hope so because there's so much we can do you know i talked about um and it might have been a bit of a diverge to to say um educating users on hydraulics Hmm. yeah because knowing where a pump operates on a performance curve really dictates the longevity and the efficiency and how how well you're transferring energy mechanical energy to hydraulic energy yeah the measure of efficiency is what you put in and what you get out mm-hmm. yeah but you know for instance a pump curve is you know a two axis grid if we're looking at it in most cases your vertical axis is pressure the horizontal axis is flow yeah and you have a descending curve coming down mm-hmm. yeah and so the far right-hand side of that curve would be the most flow you can get at the lowest amount of pressure. Yes. And the left-hand side of that curve would be the least amount of flow at the highest pressure, right? Mm. But if you were to operate on the far right-hand side, you would, op- you would consume the most power that the motor has to give. And you'd also be away from the best efficiency point. Again, efficiency, the measure of what you put in and what you get out. So in general, horizontal centrifugal and suction centrifugal pumps, yeah, uh, they operate in their best efficiency point right in the middle of the curve. Mm. The reason why is you're not uh, concentrating the pressure within the casing one side of the pump or the other, which would depress the impeller which would deflect the shaft, which puts pressure on a mechanical seal, which puts pressure on bearings and all these things create heat and vibration and take away from the efficiency. Right. So, so like operating at that optimum point, the internet of things component allows us to, to key into that. Okay. You can put all kinds of different, um, sensors and alarms on a system that says, Hey user, you're operating really far out of your BEP, your best efficiency point. Mm. Can you increase speed and change the pressure so you're at the best point or decrease speed and get to there? That is an awesome feature we could probably and will deploy within the next 24 months to just alarm users to know you're operating outside of a a key point, You're, you're wasting energy, get it back into to a good point so.
0: yeah that's, that sounds really interesting uh, development yeah. so in terms of the the pumps that you've got for koi ponds i know you develop a number of other points for jacuzzis, etc and then for industrial use as well yeah which is sort of leading the way for you
1: or are they all working at, and developing at the same time yeah all markets right now are just really doing well for us and yeah. you know it's we're we're all looking scratching our heads, saying when's the bubble gonna pop you know it's like we don't know where it's all come from you know we entered into a three years of a pandemic and and sales are off the the charts right like wh- why is that um and there's certain things that dictate that but um yeah i i would just say the products are are standing up and doing really well from industrial markets we we uh operate in food and beverage uh, aquaculture is another big one the residential markets even Getting outside of koi fanciers, just the um, the swim ponds, as I mentioned, the water features, all that is is doing well. Um, I would just say we're our roots are in koi, and so mm. we're we're pretty enthusiastic to develop some innovations in that. Oh, so, that's good to hear. Yeah,
0: well, we look forward to seeing the uh, the products as they come to mm-hmm. come to the UK, come to the shows this year, as you say, and then Indeed. looking to the next twenty four months with the development of uh, of Dying future technologies. Yeah. Awesome. Look, looking further to the future, is there anything else that you, you think may be coming or that you predict is going to follow on from that?
1: Yes, sure. Um, I mean, if you go to the MDM website, you can see we have a, a prototype listed on one of our pumps called the Qsis And it's really just a development um, in a new pump. Um, I've seen these types of pumps now being utilized in koi ponds, which is axial flow. Um, axial flow pumps are there's still a, a kinetic device, a centrifugal pump, but what they don't have is what's called a cut water in them, where um, like our pumps right now, horizontal centrifugals will convert velocity to pressure. Axial flow pumps don't have that cut water where you're converting that velocity to pressure. It's just all flow, very interesting looking curve. And so it's lots of flow at low head, for instance, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna use some Imperial units here. Um, this prototype we developed will turn over 500 gallons a minute us gallons a minute for about at five feet of head and it does it for less than one and a half horsepower it's a whole lot of flow
0: that's yeah that's uh, quite impressive
1: yeah and um i don't you you have something to chime in on that No. no no okay so um it it's just I see these being, you know, airlifts systems are somewhat used in koi. They're definitely used in aquaculture, but this was our attempt to uh, come up with a solution to compete with like airlift systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was designed to be used on the effluent of a drum filter and just move heaps of water for low energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we could, <laughs> if we can get beyond some of our um, our motor challenges, it's really hard to uh, to do a clean sheet design on a motor design if you're not a motor manufacturer mm. and it's hard to get motor manufacturers to do a clean sheet design without millions of dollars you know but the unique thing is is it's it's a it's totally different there's no rotating shaft um, it's a wet rotor design it's um, integrating into a pipe system there's virtually no footprint to it mm. and um, we could see that really revolutionizing things
0: fantastic well, so. look. We'll look forward to seeing more about that as well.
1: Yeah, we'll be chatting more about it and hopefully uh, taking some ads out with you guys when yeah, we've been talking it. about we'll it. Yeah. I know you've
0: got the advert in Koi magazine. So uh, yeah, yeah can- as the product develops, we'll look forward to the adverts featuring those as well. Absolutely. So I think that, that sort of brings us to the end of the podcast, really. So I'd like to say thank you for, for coming in to see us, Absolutely. especially on your, your short trip across here
1: yeah it was a pleasure to be here thank you for the opportunity to get and talk with you folks and we hope to do it again soon
0: yeah absolutely so. we'll, uh, we'll look forward to getting you back on whether it's by video call or back in the studio when next time you're here yeah i'm sure there's something that we can set up
1: let's make it happen
0: that's great so yeah thank you to both for coming in welcome um if uh, if our listeners out there are enjoying the podcasts make sure you check out the magazine
1: as well it's coytalk.com